Well, first of all, uh, thank you for being a part of this. I, uh, uh, I just threw this idea out to uh, Pastor Vic uh, uh, a while back, and he says, well, we've been interesting that that came up now because that's what we're uh, needing and thinking about, and so I'm glad to be able to be a part of that. Uh, first of all, let me uh, I'll do a bit of introduction for me. Um, um, this is my 51st year in the ministry. God called me into ministry as a senior in high school 51 years ago and uh, been on the trail somewhere ever since. And you'll pick up bits and pieces of where that trail is taken. Uh, my wife, Janet, back there, most of you met her on the way in uh, this morning. Uh, uh, she does all that back stuff. And, uh, and she really has been the glue that kind of keeps what I'm going to talk about today in place. Um, uh, the, uh, we're we're going to talk about the role that both moms and dads uh, have uh, throughout this. But for as, as an intro, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you know when we get started on that uh, outline you have in your hand. I've got a few things I want to share with you before we get there. Um, we, we live in a, a really a different world than, uh, than uh, even the one that I grew up in. Uh, I, I want to I want to share one of those differences with you. Um, the um, uh, as you as most of you are aware, dictionaries will give definitions in the order of most prominent use, most significant meaning, and then it'll go down in order from the the top to the bottom. So in uh, 1982, if you looked up family in the American Heritage Dictionary. It says, the very first item in there says, the most instinctive, fundamental, social, or mating group in man or animal, especially the union of man and woman through marriage and their offspring. That was what the definition for parent was in 1982. That was number one. In 2020, I want to show you what's happened to our, uh, in the cultural shift that you see it on the news, you see it, you read about it, you see it in a variety of ways. Now, the number one definition is the collective body of persons who live in one house. And that's it. That's it. Now, further down the list, of, there's one, you know, one of the subsequent definitions is a father, mother, and their children. Okay, so that is on the list, but it's not the prominent part anymore. The other thing I want to share with you as we get started is there are no experts in this field. Zero. There are none. Now, you can go, in the old days, we went in bookstores to look through that section. Now you go to Amazon, you go to a variety of other places, and you just, you know, try to Google what's the best resources for parents. Well, there's several that will, you know, proclaim to be that, you know, this is the one you want. This is the best book. This is the one that has all the answers. The reality is that's the one who had the answers for that set of parents who wrote it. They may not fit yours because we live in it. We're dealing here with a one size does not fit all. If you've got more than one child right now, you already know that you can't treat them all the same way. They are different. They come in a variety of shapes, sizes, uh, and, and everything else. And so um, the, only, the only resource we have 
The only one we have is, is, is Scripture. You already have it. And there's plenty, it has, has plenty to say about uh, what, uh, what is going on. Um, and so I want to introduce you to my two kids. That's a, that's a picture of uh, when our son was about five and our daughter had just come home. And then one that was taken a few years ago, not, not too long ago, that uh, shows uh, how they look now. And um, you, you saw that limited time offer on the screen for um, uh, w when you first came in. I, I, I was also thinking uh, uh, no guarantees. I, I thought, well, that might be a good uh, uh, title for something like this because there are none. There, there are no guarantees uh, to, uh, to, to what's going on in life. And so um, one of the things that I want you to realize uh, I love this quote from Alistair Begg. Parenting is like working with wet cement. You must work quickly before it sets up. Because I, 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 can't, I can't tell you how much and how uh, much is formed and shaped between their personality and, 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 and things that are coming on down the road, but how that's done in those first one or two or three or four years. And by the time they, by the time they get to elementary school, a lot of things are already set, and and the and the concrete is hard at that time. Also, um, the most significant contributions have been made to society by people who are tired. And uh, some of you, some of you are here this morning. This is kind of like date night on a Saturday morning because you don't have your kids. Well, we got one, but, but that, one's, that one's pretty much under control right now. Uh, I remember uh, uh, our, uh, our I, you can ask our son because he knows that he's heard this story so many times, that our last, uh, our last movie to go to as a couple when we started having kids, uh, when the when the kids started coming, was uh, Starman. He knows about that movie. He's watched it several times. But it was the last one that we could set him right next to us in the theater, and he would act like that. But that time was short-lived. And soon it was, well, I'll show you the slide that, that, uh, that we, we will get to. And so uh, that, that, that really becomes an important uh, piece. Um, Josh McDowell says the most powerful impact upon a child's ethical, moral, and spiritual development is the relationship with parents 300 times greater than the church. Now, I want you guys to know that the church is here to stand alongside you. We are here to support you. We are here to help you, but we cannot do it for you. And and uh, if... if uh, it, it, it's a, it's kind of like throwing the dice. If you're gonna, if you're one of those families like mine, and you'll hear more about my story today, but where uh, I was, I was raised by parents in in the beginning who both grew up in the church, were both active in the church, but that was short lived. And by the time I was three, my parents were divorced, and uh, court awarded me to my father and my little brother to my mom. Family was split right down the middle, and uh, I was one of those kids that, well, I think church is important, so I'm going to drop you off at church every Sunday. And until I came to faith in Christ as an 11-year-old, I, uh, I hated it. 
I wanted to do anything I could to get out of it. But, uh, you know, I, I really think the sovereignty of God was at play and at work and, and uh, in my life, even then, watching out and knowing that I was not going to be one of those follow this great, wonderful model of parenting set before you, but I was going to have to overcome in spite of that. And so um, one of the things that uh, I want to, if, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Home is where life makes up its mind. It's going to happen at home. Good, bad, or ugly, it's going to happen right there. Now, if it's ugly, it can be overcome. It can, you can uh, survive, but it's going to be an uphill climb, and it's going to be hard. And so, for I, I, I want to say, um, you guys all get your gold star for at least, you know, being here and, and doing something. You know, in this regard, you're going to see two slides today. One says, you know, something, if it's sometimes, don't do it at all. And that's on one issue. Another one you're going to see, something is better than nothing. And you're going to see both of those in different categories today. So we'll, we'll play through that and we'll see how that, that uh, works. So uh, you can begin too late, but never too soon. Um, this is just a, it's one of those things that uh, uh, we must get in gear at some point, in some way, some form, some fashion. And so um, there in your notes, you will see some of the, the, passage I'm about, the passages I'm about to show. You see them listed there. And I'll list them there so you can look them up and read them in context later. But obviously, uh, the, the first one and foremost, the one we go to, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't turn from it. Um, I, I really think that uh, that is a that is an act of faith, both on the faith of you as parents to say, hey, do your best work here. You know, you have the, the training is in your hands. But it also, once you turn them loose, it's a, it's a step of faith. It's a step of faith that, that, that uh, Lord, I've done what I did on the front end. Can you help them navigate the back end? Because uh, it will be out of your hands. That's what that limited time offer is all about. And we'll talk more about that um, uh, today. Um, Proverbs 6. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you wake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp, this teaching is a light, and the corrections of discipline are the way of life. Uh, as, uh, as we learned last Sunday from uh, Pastor Vic, uh, Proverbs is full. I mean, I would encourage you to, to read through Proverbs uh, on, on a regular basis all the time, because not only in parenting, but other avenues of life, but... Uh, uh, but the reality is that God doesn't leave this all in your hands. He doesn't leave it all in your hands because if you take a look here at our passage in uh, Ephesians, it encourages your children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise 
that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We'll, we'll talk more about that provoking uh, a bit later. And then uh, uh, really, uh, uh, one of the things I really love about Scripture is that many times God the Father will be relating to his children. Many times in the Old Testament, that's Israel, as we're going to see in this next verse I want to share with you. But the reality is we as parents can read that and say, hey, hey, I get it. I get it. That fits me and my kids, or, or I, I want to follow that model. That, that's, that's a lot of the reason uh, why it was given to us, that we have that kind of model. So uh, this passage from Jeremiah 31 is not Ephraim my dear son, the child in whom I delight? Though I often speak against him, I will remember him, therefore my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. Now I want you to go back in, after today and get home, and I want you to read all of uh, chapter 31 and, and read that in its context. Because, because if you remember uh, Ephraim, Ephraim, uh, that was uh, Joseph's second son, but got blessed as the first son when uh, Jacob, you know, in his old age, crossed hands and says, no, 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 dad, you got the wrong, you got the wrong first son. He says, no, I got it right. I got it right. And, and uh, God has a way of, uh, of helping us in that regard. But Ephraim becomes uh, synonymous with Israel in this passage. And God, even in their unbelief, even in their disobedience, even in their whatever circumstance they were in, God still loved them, okay? There's a lesson in there for us parents because as, we've, as, as Pastor Vic already said this morning, our kids aren't going to please us every time. They're not going to make the right decision every time. And so when we get there, that, that really becomes a, a, a key piece, and the perfect family, as uh, I've already said, it does not exist. Uh, it's a, it, every one of us are works in progress uh, throughout all of this. Well, think for a moment about what a child, what is a child, but not the product of time, matter, and chance, but the product of a faithful work of creator God. Okay? I want us to think about that when we see this passage from Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days or ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so I want you to think for a moment when Jesus was uh, challenged by um, whether or not to pay homage to Caesar or, or God. Okay. And so he, he was uh, presented, they, they thought we've got him, we got, we're, we're going to set another trap for him. Uh, Pharisees were, were, were good at setting those traps on a regular basis. And so they asked him, is it right to pay tax to Caesar? And he answered, as we all know the story well, will you give to Caesar that which is Caesar's and that to God which is God's? 
And he gave the illustration of that by saying, uh, somebody give me a coin. And somebody handed him a coin. And this coin had the imprint of Caesar on it. And so he says, you give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Okay? Talking about in that mature world. And then he says, you give to God that which is God's. Well, where do we find, where do we find the image of God? We find the image of Caesar on a coin. But Genesis tells us that we find God's image right here. He create, let us create man in our image. And so God's image is right here. Yeah, yeah, we, we still, we have to still pay our taxes. We still have to do uh, according to the law. But the reality is that uh, uh, God created us in his image. He created each of our children in his image. Well, I, I don't know how many times I've read through the book of Genesis. And I had read through it so many times, but I never saw this. I never saw this. Because the, our children's image has been marred by that same imprint of sin that we read about in Genesis chapter 3. So, God is a bit out of sorts with this thing called sin. And so, before the flood, he's going he's to destroy. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had been on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was evil all the time. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe out well, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that moved along the ground. For I regret that I've made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Okay? Now, we all know that story. And, and you can tell the, the, the next uh, chapter and a half of the, of the ark and the animals and Noah's family. And so finally, and the rains came and they were at, you know, out on the water for a long time, but it finally came to rest and the water receded and they came out. And the very first thing that Noah's going to do two chapters later, I want you to, I want you to look, I want you to look at that yellow phrase in there. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was evil all the time. And that was what led uh, God to destroy and flood the earth. Well, after the flood, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all the living creatures as I have done. I want you to understand that very little changed before and after the flood. Sin was still on the marquee. It was still in the big headline. It was still a part of the human experience. And so uh, I, I just want you to realize that 
we've got to work through that. I mean, that's, the, that's part of the reason we come here week by week and sit and listen to the teaching of Pastor Vic. You know, uh, we know what Scripture says. We know our condition. We know our situation. And so as we get ready to launch into the more nuts and bolts of what we're here to talk about today, uh, let, me, uh, let me share with you my family, my folks, okay? Um, some of you are too young to even know who some of these people are. Uh, th th that first one on the left, that's Father Knows Best, okay? Father Knows Best. The couple in the middle, that's, that's Warden June Cleaver. That's Beaver's parents. Uh, and then Ozzy and Harriet. You see, you see, I was one of those kids, latchkey kids, that uh, um, made his own way and did his own thing when my father wasn't there. And so the TV became my babysitter, and these became the, the people that, uh, that, that nurtured a lot of who I am. And uh, that didn't always turn out well, let me just say. Uh, this was, they all were performing scripts written by uh, folks sitting in Hollywood. And, uh, and so uh, not, I'm not necessarily proud of the fact of who, uh, who ended up being a part of raising me. But I want to, I want to show you one slide. Uh, I do another conference uh, on, on, at our school uh, where I still teach uh, online, both in the master's level and the, and the doctoral level uh, related to supervision. And, and I introduce supervisory models to folks. You may not be able to see all that whole list, but w we, learn, we learn supervision from a variety of places. And I'll just read quickly down the list. You see family, marriage, industry, business, military, craftsman, prison, academic, medical, orchestra, and athletic. And we could, you could double that list easily. There's other places where we learn it, but this is just one of the places. But uh, one of the things that, uh, that I want you to realize is that home is the child's first school. The parent is the child's first teacher, and reading is the child's first subject, okay? Um, I, I, um, I've spent the bulk of my life reading for a living, Okay, people ask, what are you going to do on vacation? Read a good book? Mm -mm. Not me. Not me. I don't read good books. I have to read all the time. I'm reading for, you know, preparation for this or that or a class or, or something else. Uh, or or uh, nearly 10,000 uh, applications for folks getting ready to go overseas reading their life, life histories. Um, and I'm assuming you all know where that quote came from. That was from Barbara Bush. Uh, and uh, she shared that, and that was uh, uh, shared again at her, her funeral. Um, from family at the top, we go to marriage, husbands and wives second. And I want you to realize that these are our trust-based models. This is where we learn trust. Stop think for a minute. Um, I, my, my kids, we had, a, we had a great little game we played when mom wasn't around because mom didn't like this game. But we'd be in the kitchen when they were small, you know, 18 months to, to three years old. I would set them up on the kitchen counter, and I would back up. And I'd put out my arms and say, jump. And they would jump. And guess what came next? Let's do it again. 
They wanted to do it as many times until I, they wore me out. You know, or if mom came in, we had to quit immediately. It, the game was over if mom came in. Okay. Now, think for a moment. If I'd have done this and said jump and pull my hands back and not caught them, do you think we'd have got, let's do it again? No. No, 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 no. Because they learned to trust that I would catch them every time, regardless, no matter what. I was there to catch them. Okay? So I, I want you to understand how important that is. Now, on the, by the same token, we get up to now we get in a relationship and we get married, husbands and wives. And it's still, this is where we're still learning trust. And I want you to stop and think, everybody in the room, every one of us can name a friend or family member who have, bro that trust is broken, it has divided that marriage, and seldom can you put that back together. Once that trust gets broken, it's, it's, it seldom can go back together. And it, it might go back together, but it won't go back together with exactly the same fit that it had before. And trust me, how, how important this trust thing becomes. Now, there's some, I'm not going to go through all of these, but I want to share with you two more of these. Um, the academic model, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. When the student's ready, the teacher will appear. I, I, we can only imagine, I mean, I've got a pretty good idea, but we can only imagine the, the amount of hours that, Pastor Vic puts in before he stands before us on a weekly basis to teach from this place right here. Significant. And, and, and if you've been in that role, if you are a teacher, you understand what has, how much has to go in for that small amount of delivery that you're about to, to give. But I want to I remind Pastor Vic, I don't care how well prepared he is on any given Sunday, if those of us sitting out here are not ready for it, it doesn't matter. Because sometimes we come and sit in this place because it's our place on Sunday morning. We do it, we, we, you know, we've done it so much, we, we've got to be here, we, we're going to be here. But up here and here, we may be a thousand miles from here. And, and, and he can't tell the difference. He's going to always be ready for us, praying that we will be ready for what the Lord has to teach us on that given day. So I just want you to realize how important. And, and the same holds true for your kids. When you're standing there teaching your kid this, teaching your kid that, you've got to realize that until they're ready to receive it, it's, 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 not, it's not happening. One other, one other piece, and this is one, uh, something one of our medical, I am, International Mission Board medical doctors uh, taught me. He said in medical school, they taught him see one, do one, teach one. Now, I've used that now for years. I've used it in discipleship. I've used it in evangelism. I've used it in a variety of things. But the reality is, I'm guessing that you've used it at home. And if you've got more than one, if you've got some at varying ages, at some point, you let some of the older ones teach some of the younger ones what to expect, how to do it, so that you can see, do they really understand, the older ones, because now they can teach one, 
They can, they can do it. The young ones can see it and they can teach it. And that continues to be handed down. So models become very, very uh, important. Um, one, one other thing I want to share with you that uh, has to do with these parental facts. And I want you to, I want you to uh, think, uh, think through these for a moment. I'm the father or the mother or I'm assuming one of these roles, okay? That, that, that's a fact. If you've got children, it, it is what it is. The home is the single most important influence on this family because of the inherently difficult and importance. Fathering or mothering is the most dignified role I will ever play. Being a parent can be one of the greatest sources of joy. It can be one of the greatest sources of grief. I can imagine it is never too late to try. I can improve, and it's never too late to try. Every child is unique, therefore I must be flexible. And it's difficult being a good parent. There is no substitute for time and effort. Now, when I say all of that, when I say all that with you, I want you to realize and understand that um, it, it becomes really, really important to 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 take this role that maybe, uh, I'm, we're not going to take a show of hands, but anybody, first child, was anybody's first child a surprise? Uh, the, the elation, the everything else that goes, but sometimes, oh no, we're pregnant. Oh no, we're, we're about to have our first child. And all of a sudden you get thrust into it, whether you're ready or not, here they come, kind of an idea. So, um, I, I want you to to uh, I want you to uh, uh, close your eyes for a second. Everybody, close your eyes, and as I read th these questions, I want you to think personally your position on these. What irritates me the most about parenting? What is my greatest challenge personally? What would I change and do differently? What would I do exactly the same? What aspect of parenting have I never gotten a handle on? What do we as couples disagree on in parenting? What challenges do I as a single parent face? How do I discipline? How does it differ from my own discipline? The way I was disciplined? And what has brought me the greatest joy in parenting? You can open your eyes back up. As we, uh, as we look at that, now we're going to launch in and you can follow along in the, the outline that I've, I've given you. Um, the first, the first rule of thumb I want you to know is that you have to love your children unconditionally, unconditional. And uh, we uh, we have a we have an idea what that means, but uh, you won't know completely until you get tested with the uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent. Uh, it's 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 gonna it's gonna take some time. You also have to learn how to speak the truth. Uh, in love, and, uh, and and part of that might be like this: uh, I'm not your friend; I'm your parent. Uh, 
I will stalk you, flip out on you, lecture, drive you insane, be your worst nightmare, and hunt you down when, you need, when needed because I love you. You're going to have to be tough. You know, and, and again, parenting is not for the weak, weak heart of heart. It's, a, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a real challenge. And I think we need to remember these words from Hebrews. My son, do not take lightly the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Now, that's, uh, that's also true. That's also true for real parents with real kids in real situations. The, uh, the next thing that I want to encourage you is that you need to connect with your kids. You're going to do that from the early days. Uh, you're going to do that from, from day one. You're connecting. But part of that connection needs to remain intact. And we're going to, we're going to look at that uh, literally here in, in, a, in a few minutes of, of how that works. But uh, one of the things I want you to, to really grasp uh, from this is a, uh, this three-step model that comes from Matthew 3.17. Uh, if you look up Matthew 3.17, Jesus is getting baptized. This is at Jesus' baptism. And these are the words that they, you hear from heaven, recorded in Scripture from heaven. It says, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am pleased. Your kids need to hear that from you on a regular basis all the time. Different ways. Not all three of them at once sometimes. But you need to be letting your kids know, you are my son, you are my daughter. You're a part of this family. Whom I love. And again, that's that unconditional all the time, regardless of how they're acting, type of love. And let them know as much as you can when you, in you, I am well pleased. And uh, again, you can't say it enough. Now, heart connections uh, between parents and kids mirror the connection between God the Father and his children. These are heart connections. Heart connections are based on unfailing love, biblical significance, and true security. One of the, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons that you come and you sit in this place Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, or you're a part of a small group that opens God's word and studies on a regular basis. Yes, it is for your growth. It is for your edification. It is to honor God. It is to worship him. But it's also for you to take that home and to model that in front of the children that God has put under your care. So that becomes a, a key piece. Well, how do, how do we break these heart connections? How do we do that? Uh, well, I think sometimes we fail to say and do things that communicate significance. We have to sometimes make sure our kids understand, uh, especially when they've done something significant. And I'm, and I remember when they're, when they're, 18 months old, significant is pretty tiny, but it's still significant. You know, I remember, you know, you come and uh, when, when our son was first born, you put a blanket out there in the middle of the living room floor and you lay him on it and you can go about your work. You know, 
No big deal. He's going to be right there. He's not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden, that significant day when, oops, he flipped over. How do you do that? Turn him back. Let's watch. <laughs> and so we watch and we wait. Okay, well, I guess he's not going to do it. And we come back. Oh, he did it. And then all of a sudden, he starts some kind of little crazy movement. And he's not even on the blanket anymore. How did he get over there? And then you go and you, if you, you buy those, you know, those gates that you put up in the house. How many have those gates in the house to keep them in this room or out of that room, you know? And, and, you, and you have to put the little things in the light sockets, you know? And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, now they're up and they're big enough to take the gate down. So, oh no, now we've got to keep an eye. And every, your, your world is changing daily. And you, and you realize that. Some of you have been through many of those steps uh, along the way. Um, we break heart connections by becoming preoccupied with discipline and behavior only. Being preoccupied with discipline and behavior only. We break heart connections by making love conditional on good behavior. We make heart, break heart connections by withholding warmth and affection as punishment. By becoming preoccupied with our careers, possessions, and social life. We break heart connections with our kids. We break heart connections by allowing the marriage to become stagnant. By leaving the home due to a divorce by abusing them and by having to always be right. And trust me, we're not going to always be right. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong and we, we break those heart connections. Heart connections produce pain and every child is going to learn how to protect themselves from additional pain. They will learn how to do that. And sometimes that is in acting out. It's in a variety of ways. Broken heart connections produce, pushes parents farther away in trying to avoid further pain. Broken heart connections produce moves, things that will move us from faith, value, and morality. And it will embrace peers and culture to fill the void. We have to be really careful at this point, folks, because uh, we, and, and, and let me, one of the big warnings, as I, as I share the last two on this list, as long as you come and you sit in this place on a regular basis and bring your children, but the, your children know you're in here, the, The fact that these broken heart connections are going to embrace, uh, move them toward embracing faithlessness and immorality. And it's going to be, it's going to no longer be, they will no longer be impacted by faith and spiritual instruction. Because they will know, if you don't practice what we talk about in here, when you get home, they know the difference. They will know that you're not being faithful, that you're not being, um, you, you, you say one thing here and you do a different thing there. You talk about wearing these masks, okay? 
and we come to church and we might be having World War III in the car on the way to church. But when we pull into the place to park and we conveniently reach over because we keep our mask in the glove compartment of the car so we can put them on to go to church and we come in here and we're smiling and we're encouraging one another and slapping each other on the back and oh we love you and care for you and we finish our thing and oh pastor vic thank you for a great sunday and we worshiped god and we go out and get in the car we've tied our mask back where it's convenient for next sunday and we we launch right back in and we don't miss a beat because we don't forget what we were warring over on the way to church. We pick that up in war all the way home. And that's, that's, that's a significant piece. And that breaks those heart connections. And so parents, it's up to us to be consistent. We have to, we have to, we have to really walk the talk if we're going to try to encourage them. Because, because whether you like it or not, they're modeling you whether you like it or not, and you say, wait a minute, I'm not the best model. Well, guess what? That's the one God gave them. You're it. You're it. So continue to, to, to work on that. The next one is you need to give them room. Give them room. First, first order of business, you let them be children. They are children. Let them be children. Um, let them safely explore Safely explore. We're gonna we'll delve into that one just a little bit more in a few minutes. Um, but you end up having to let them grow up, and you eventually have to let them go. Now the real joy, real joy comes when you let them go, and they want to come back. That, that's really a special time. It's special when your adult children will call you up and, and ask your advice or want you to be in on this decision or to alert you to this or to that. It, it's, it's really, they're not leaving you out of the equation. And many times it's because you didn't leave them out of the equation when they were little. You let them be a part of it, and, and, and they got to do that. Well, I want to show you something. Um, I, need, I need two volunteers. Um, so uh, two ladies I would really like. If, if you're, there's one and there's one. Okay, good. Okay, y'all come on up here. Come on up here. I want to, uh, if you'll get on this side over here of the, of the podium, and you get on this side, and I want y'all to grab that rope, and I want you to get your hands right on the black tape, both of you, and make sure that the edges of your hands are touching each other. Yeah, just like that. It's perfect. Okay. Now, now, uh, if you're adopting or a foster parents, you start a little farther out because you didn't get to do this part. But this is where mom and child are physically touching are they not? <laughs> Y'all remember the physically touching part when you were moms, when you were carrying that child? Okay. And so baby is born. So move out about six, eight inches a piece. Okay. Now, not too far, not too far. Cause you're little, you're still little. You, 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 you can't go too far here. Okay. And so, but, but what, but what you have to do folks, is to, you're, you're, you're trying to create ever-extending boundaries here that appropriate, you know, uh, you're, if you're the mom and you're the child, 
you're not going to go to the store and leave the baby in the crib. No, you're not doing that. No, you're putting them in. Oh, what happened? Does, okay, okay. Put her, go went and put her back in the car. There you go. And so, so as, as they grow older uh, and, and desire, you are going to want more freedom. You're going to want it. And you're going to explore and do things even when she's saying, no, 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 no. You know, but move on out just about another, about 12 inches each, uh, you know, and um, mom, you see, mom, you're, see, then, wait wait a minute, this was very good. See, she was a little more reluctant to slip out there too far. She wants to turn loose. (laughs) Is she not? She's she's three three years old. She's already wanting to turn loose. And yet mom's the one to say, no, 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 you know, but, but, but mom's, mom's no. Okay. We, we've got to, we got to let this, well, eventually, oh, oh, we're having a parent conference. Okay. Yeah. You take care of the kids. I'm going, you know, cause I can, I can, I can be, you know, free for uh, a, a couple of hours. Okay. But, and, and there's going to be, there's going to be times when there's misbehaving going on. Okay. Now, hang on, hang on tight, but pull a little bit, okay, okay? There's going to be tension in life, okay? But you're going to grow up a little bit more. Uh, Remember, remember, blanket rolled off, squirmed over there, can now walk, can toddle, can open the gate. Oh, okay, you can play in the backyard because you can't reach the latch yet. Oh, now they can reach the latch. Oh, they want to go out in the front yard. Okay, well, we've got to go have the, okay, okay, let's walk out. Let's talk about the street. Let's talk about cars. Let's talk about, you know, we don't run out in front of cars. Stop, look, and listen. Okay. Oh, can I ride my bike to the end of the, uh, the, the block? And, and so, so you guys move out just a little bit farther, both of you, both of you. And, and oh, can I now ride my bike all the way around the block out of sight? Oh, maybe. <sighs> Uh, you know, yeah, the agony. Uh, is it, uh, uh, some of y'all feeling that? You, you, you can feel it as I talk about it. And yet, and yet, now, can, can, hey, can I go with my friends to the park? It's three blocks over. You know, we'll watch for cars, you know, and move on out a little bit. Yeah, we'll let you go that way. And, and, and you keep going until now we're getting to those. We're pushing teenage years now. Keep pushing now, now. You're playing the music too loud in your room, and you're toning it down, quiet down. No, you can't go with though, you know, every, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get it? Now, as you increase the distance, and and as a teenager, you want you you're looking for the end. You're looking for the end of the rope. Now, now, parents, if you do this right, if you do this right. She's going to get to the end of that, that rope, and she won't turn loose of it. But there's going to come a day with your teenage kids, go all the way to the end. One hand on the white tape, one hand on the white tape. Now, one hand, and now stretch, stretch. Don't turn loose. Stretch. Keep stretching. Stre- keep stretching. You're going to have this kind of relationship with your teenager. Now, parent, it's up to you to do whatever you can do to move back up this rope. You've got you to do whatever you can do. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. 
and and you're gonna you're gonna put some enforcement on some rules in place that they may not be ready to accept yet. They may be forced. But uh, anybody ever heard? Can you play that tape? As long as you live under this roof. Okay. Now, now some of you heard that as as kids, as 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 sons and daughters, and then ended up repeating it as as parents. Because that's what we do. Where, where did you learn that? Well, I learned it from my parents. Where did they learn it? They learned it from theirs. Kind of an idea. And so, so the, the idea here is that uh, if either of you turn loose and the tendency is to turn loose is to be over there. That's the tendency. It's not always the, the case every time. But most of the time it's going to be over here. And it's run away from home. It's, I'm not putting up with this anymore. If they can't tolerate this. Now, this has to, this, we're going to talk more about what does this have to be? What does it have to look like? What's it have to feel like? You know, because this isn't going to be easy on this end. Thank you, ladies. Y'all can, y'all can just drop that rope right there on the ground and, and uh, that, that'll be perfect. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let me also talk for a moment about Short leash to long leash to no leash, okay? Now, now, th- think, of, think of your dog for a minute. Short leash, if you're walking your dog down a crowded street, you got them right there, you know, because you don't want them doing this if they're that kind of a dog to jump on somebody. But you got them on the short leash. Now, you get out to the park, you know, or, or a street and there's nobody, you can push that button if you've got one of those button kinds or, or whatever, whatever you've got. You can let the leash out and let them, let them walk and explore and, and, and do their thing. And then if you're confident enough that they're not going to run away, hey, you can actually, at the park, you can actually clip off and take them off the leash and let them run. And because you know when you call them, they're going to come back, okay, if you've got that kind of a training trained in, in your dog. Well, guess what? That works with kids. Now, sometimes that's not literal. Uh, it's, it always, always cringe when I'm at place. And it, oh, I better not, I'll be careful how I say this because some of you may have used these before. But when you have the kid on a, a leash, you know, where it's got the harness on their back. And uh, if you've got one, that's I, I, okay. Because it, it's, it's parent choice. It is. It is. And everybody does this differently. But, but eventually you're going to have to let out the leash and let out the leash. And eventually you're going to have to let them off of the leash. Stop and think for that, that moment. Think about yourself. The first time you ask your mom or your dad for the keys to the car. Think, think back through that experience for a moment and think of it. Guess what? You've been spending a lifetime so far building a sense of, of level of trust that they trust you, they trust you, they trust you. They're going to care for you. Trust, trust, trust. The moment you hand them the keys and they drive with the car off down the block, you're now trusting them. The trust shifts and, and, and all of a sudden now you're on pins and needles until they get home. And, and uh, some of you will set up until they get home. Or you might not set up, but you're going to lay there in bed like this. You know, you're, you're not going to sleep until you hear that door open 
you know, and you checked the time to see if it was, un, you know, in the ballpark of when we agreed you were going to be home, kind of an idea. Um, the temptation, the temptation is going to be to shelter and protect. And when they're little, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but the art of the deal is going to be when and how much you let out on that rope and when and how much you give them freedom. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at that in this way. This is a parent-child authority continuum. And you may not be able to see all of that, but the, the line down the left-hand side is the authority of the parent. And it goes from zero at the bottom to 100% on the top. Okay, zero to 100. Across the bottom is birth through leaving home. Okay? And the perfect is that diagonal red line. That's the ideal. And the ideal is that as they grow, you give them slack, you give them room, and, and you give it appropriately until the moment they get home. Well, guess what? Uh, everybody doesn't live in a perfect world. Now, uh, I've already given you some hints that mine wasn't that perfect, you know, but guess what? God compensated for that and allowed me to marry up, if you know what that means, okay? You guys all probably did that, you know, and so I married up. And, you know, no, there's nobody on that red line, nobody. But there's some, a lot of folks that are pretty close to it. And, and I think Janet's mom and dad were pretty close to that, you know, giving her the right amount of slack, the right amount of letting up on authority as she grew older and as she matured and as she grew. But see, we've got some parents that do that. Uh, that would really be where I fell in. I was more of a latchkey kid. And, and you, you get way more authority before you ever know what to do with it. Okay? My guess is that in today's world, if, uh, if the... Uh, uh, Child protection folks knew that a six, seven, eight-year-old was home, left at home for a weekend by themselves while uh, it was National Guard week for my dad. Uh, they'd probably throw him in jail. I don't know. I don't know if they would or not. Take me out of the home probably. You know, the, 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 when the, before he was actively, he got back and actively involved for a period of time, the ladies in the church just were appalled that knowing that I was on my own from Friday, Friday afternoon till Sunday afternoon, you know, uh, and, and, and two nights at home by myself as a six-year-old. Can anybody done that, left your six-year-olds at home like that? I doubt it. I doubt it. You know, um, there's also these Blackhawk parents. That's a little more intense than a helicopter parent if you understand my meaning. And many of you have some type of military connection, so you know what that means. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you get, you, you, somebody's going to hang on to it way too long, and it will get ripped, typically, out of your hands. When they say, enough is enough, I'm, 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 I'm 18 years old, you can't do that to me anymore, or this, however that plays out. So just realize how important staying on that, on that gently slope line down until they, they, they go home. And, and who knows, in today's, in today's culture, in today's world, they may need or choose or want 
to come home again at some point for some reason. And if it's appropriate, then yeah, absolutely. Um, when we made the move, when our, our, our school moved from Southern California to, to uh, Northern to Southern California, and we were moving, uh, the, the week we were moving in, our daughter said uh, she had uh, got a film degree. She was working in Hollywood uh, for a, a production company. And uh, during that time, she had uh, thyroid cancer. Got, cancer was taken care of, cleared up. But uh, after uh, nearly six years in the film business, she said, uh, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to become a nurse. And she said, can I come back home? And during that period of time, we said, absolutely, absolutely. So there for a period of time, we had three generations in the home because we had Janet's mom with us during that time. And, and you want to you wanna create an atmosphere that they want to come back to and they, that they want to be a part of. And so uh, I, I, I think that it really, uh, really becomes uh, uh, important to, uh, to them and to you to create that kind of environment. Well, it is.